Hello and welcome to World Shop, the podcast where we build worlds based off the roll of a 20-sided die. I'm Jordan. And I'm Cody. So how's it going, Cody? It is going good. In exciting news from my life, I have a capture card for audio now that actually works. After oh, okay, it's, it's the ongoing saga of our yeah, lives. Yeah, well, now it's you the ongoing capture card. What happened was for my other podcast, and because we do let's play videos, I gave. I, so the other person I do podcast with bought himself a capture card, and it didn't work. So I brought mine over for him to use. He used it. I took his, and then I lost it. And I was like, okay, I cannot find this. I lost your stuff, so just keep my capture card, and I'll buy myself a new one, right? They're not that expensive. So I buy one. It doesn't work. Great. Then Mandy finds the capture card that I lost. So now I have two broken capture cards, neither of which work. Finally, returned the broken capture card, got a new one that actually works. So now I have a broken capture card and a capture card that works, and I'm set. So that's finally good. That's good. I'm glad to hear that you actually have stuff that works. I still have the same one that doesn't work, so we'll we'll get there. Yeah, we'll get we'll it's get it taken bit, care it's of. It's a bit of podcast of learning so far with us. So um, yeah, my life's going pretty great. Is anything like particular happening? Particularly, I watched Altered Carbon last oh. weekend. Well, I knew we were going to talk about this. I was like all excited. I thought you were going to tell me something like exciting about your life. Oh, no, I still haven't seen Black Panther, and it's killing me on the inside. <sighs> I don't I don't know. I don't think I care about Black Panther. <laughs> Again, we're getting to that uncomfortable territory with the two of us. I don't think we're getting to the uncomfortable territory with the two of us. Here's here's my thing. I am excited for... Okay, here's, here's, what, here's what I'll say looks great. Like, the visual style of Black Panther looks really cool and really unique, and I'm excited for that, right? Yeah, but I I'm worried it's gonna it, it's gonna just be like another like photocopy of another superhero movie. You're worried it's going to be the Marvel formula. Yeah, that's that's what concerns me because like I've been fooled before. Like because like to me, Doctor Strange was that movie that I was like, oh, this looks stylistically cool, and then it was super boring. But it was still the Marvel formula where. My only thing is I'm getting burnt out because every single movie has to be, oh, we're saving the entire world. It can't be like not every comic book ends with saving the entire world. They have their own like personal conflicts that they have to deal with. And right. I'm kind of hating the same for- formula of, oh, hey, new superhero learns how to use his power, gets his friends, now saves the whole entire world. And that's what like that's why I liked Thor Ragnarok because he didn't oh my even God, that movie he was like amazing. It was great. It broke the formula. It wasn't saving Earth. It was like a completely different story, which was unique and fun, and it was hilarious. I liked. And that's one of the things that burnt me out with Guardians of the Galaxy too is that they went and they saved planet Earth. Still, somehow, all the way out in the far reaches of the galaxy, they saved planet Earth. And I'm yeah, like, really? but only kind and also, of. None of the other Avengers noticed that happening. Yeah, it was it was like kind of the Earth, like it was a bunch of different. It was like a bunch of planets that he ended well, up the, saving. They specifically showed the Earth getting like blue gooed. They did, and that's where Quinn is from. I I really liked Guardians too, but I I have other reasons for liking it. Yeah, um, I mean, I think part of the reason why I was so bitter towards it is just the Marvel formula, just over and yeah, over again being the same ex- things. But I do exactly. like it, and I'm very excited for Black Panther. For I mean, I obviously one of the main reasons but we'll talk about that <laughs> off air <laughs> yeah no everything else is going fine works fine life's fine yeah anyways so altered carbon i am kind of excited to hear your uh, thoughts just, on just this. for the audience like if realize this is the only time of the week we actually get to talk to each other <laughs> yeah we don't like live near each other no, so this is yeah this is the only time we get to talk so it's like oh hey how's life been old friend but um also one thing before we get into the ultra carpet, I didn't actually know you were going to legitimately send my girlfriend a bunch of dragon pictures. Why would I lie about that? I I did I thought it was just like, oh, I'm gonna send your girlfriend a bunch of pictures and then never do it. Jordan, like, I didn't like, oh, yeah, send Cody her a bunch of dick pictures. pics. I'm like, oh dude. Like, <laughs> those were some cute the first two were like really awesome, then the other ones are like these like super cute dragons. 
which well, makes your comment about looking up cute dragons on the podcast make so much more sense. Yeah, it's because I was legitimately looking up cute dragons and sending them to your girlfriend. I just, I guess, like, I don't understand why you're surprised at all that I would do I, that. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. I should have known. I really should have known, but I, I thought that you're, was You're great. right. I shouldn't, I should. I just shouldn't talk to your girlfriend unless you're no, present. No, no, not, no, no. <laughs> and then also, you sent me dolphin pictures, which I saw that. It's like, I, I did. You. I saw dolphins live. <laughs> I was oh, there. Dude. I've never seen a dolphin show before. I went to an aquarium have, for the first time this weekend. I've seen one once and I didn't like it. Well, I like okay. It's freaking I'm cool, dude. I liked it because I was like ten years old and everything was cool at that age. No, screw that. Dolphins are cool. I don't know what you're talking. Like, do, do you know what's the weirdest part? Is what? okay. So these dolphins, right? They swim and they swim way faster than it looks like they should be able to swim. Because they, like, don't move that much, and they're just all muscle. And then when they jump out of the water, they, like, belly flop back in. Oh, and I'm like, they must have, like, the thickest skin to just slap they themselves. They don't nosedive back in? I mean, sometimes they would. They would do both. Oh. It depended on what... I just couldn't believe how smart dolphins were, man. It was oh. wild. See, and that's why I hate dolphins. Oh, my God, they're so smart and cool and They amazing. are. They it was weird. Everybody. No, I hate... I, I can't. But I'm starting, like, this weekend, like, I was just scrolling through some imager pictures, and I think I'm starting to hate whales. Yeah, whales are freaking scary, They're all right? disgusting. Uh, someone posted a bunch of pictures of, like, whale lice in, like, the whale calluses. It's disgusting. Yeah, whales are gross. I don't see why anyone ever yeah, likes no, whales. Yeah, no, I think I'm on team hate whales now. You know what are also adorable? Th- these are whales, but they're not really. Beluga whales, super cute. Oh, yeah, beluga whales are fine. Yeah. They're so adorable. I want to hug. You know what else was cute? I got to see a sea lion. Oh, <gasps> yeah, they and then they so tear you cute. apart. Well, right, but it was it was super cute because like the instructor came out and was like having him dance and stuff, and then like like when she was walking away, he like hit her on the butt. It was really funny. That's a little weird. <laughs> it was funny. It was <laughs> so cute. You called me a furry. Okay, man. You're all like, well, oh, I don't know, like. Yeah, it was it was around. like a cute like you know it was, I, I don't, don't know it was like cute, cheeky you know it was it was adorable see, and that's the thing I hate cheeky but also I think truly I'm gonna apologize once again for Dolphin World like not liking Dolphin World I think my biggest problem is the fact that I'm not the biggest fan of talking animals in fantasy settings I didn't say the dolphins could talk. They didn't say words. They echo communicated like dolphins actually they do. Ta- they, he was saying words to the character in the story. Yeah, well, you have a dolphin translator. <laughs> See, that's I would leave that translator off. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, I was not my head. Yeah, sure, man. Sure, sure, sure. Cool, cool. <laughs> so I assume you don't like Aquaman. In the new Justice League movie, I hated him. That movie Are you kidding trash. me? Like... I mean, I'm just going to say, like, if there's one guy that's the hottest guy, he's got to rank up there pretty high. I mean, Game of Thrones. Anyways. Yeah, so, he's a little he, gross in that. So can we talk about Altered Carbon? Because I want to I have this discussion that you keep avoiding. Okay, first, well, here's my final reaction to it, which was, wait, really? Sky Whore Island. That was the main plot. Sky Whore Island, where they're allowed to kill prostitutes. That's, that was what the center around. That's what this that whole thing was about. Sky Whore Island. I did not mind Sky Whore Island. That I was cool with. I did not like the plot with the sister that felt like it was rushed and set up in the last two episodes. My thoughts of it, I thought it was entertaining. It was entertaining. I enjoyed like seeing Yeah, it down had boobs in it. it. Of course it was entertaining. No, and that's not even see that I thought like I'm on the boat of now where like nudity in shows is such a gimmick now. It feels like every like R quote unquote R rated show has to have boobs in it, and that's just like okay, yes, we have the scene where she's getting shot a bunch, being naked. Awesome. I don't care. Let's get to the actual plot. So here's here's my jam with it because I I agree with you and I disagree with you. So in a show like this, the show is about the human body becoming a commodity and an object. So it's very literally about objectification. So when the show uses nudity to like diminish somebody or to hurt them almost, or to like devalue them because they just become like a sexual object. And like, I'm trying to think of the right way to put this, but like when the nudity in the show becomes so pervasive that you become like almost desensitized to it, 
I appreciate that because I think it is actually driving home a point. I think that they're trying to show that like the sale basically of nudity and sexuality becomes so prolific. It is like this thing that just becomes like meaningless and it devalues humans. Yeah. It makes them to where like that even their body is just a commodity, right? That they can buy and sell and it's something they can trade on. And I understand that's what you're saying, but like as these like more grittier, darker shells, it just seems like a gimmick. It just seems like, Hey, here's the nudity. You're going to like this because it has boobs in it. And it's just like, I'm watching these things and it's like, okay, sure. Fine. The part that bothered me more was when, like, how many times they had to have Lady Cop take off all her clothes. Yeah. That one bothered me because she wasn't being turned into an object, and that's not who she was. So that felt like more they were shooting it for, like, the, oh, you know, you want to see her with her top off? Here you go. The one thing that I just didn't like was just they had a really corny and weird way of empowering women. To the point where it's I like, don't think they empowered women at all. I I think so, it did. No, here's, like, okay, here's why I think it was empowering. Was the thing is to get the one the chick who was like murdered in in data. You're space. trying to empower women, and you just said chick. Uh, okay, the the strong, powerful woman who was um, killed in locked in data space, like teaching her self defense because like giving her the power. Yeah, bring like I like that plotline. What? Okay, I'm going to I'm going to take back what I said. I'm going to take back what I yeah. said about the show so, not being empowering. So this I is like, my problem with the show. Wait, hold you on. just I'm not finished with my point. But uh, but my point's so, better. Anyways, so, go ahead. <laughs> shut up, man. So like I like how they did that. I like how they gave her that power, but then they just went way too far with it. It got to like a corny weird part where at the end of it she's wearing a dominatrix outfit just murking people left and right and putting knives through people's like faces and it's like going from oh hey you want to defend yourself and now you're just killing guys willy-nilly and i thought that was just like okay just turning into another action hero assassin but i mean i also did like the shows like okay we have the clear difference between like self-defense to protect yourself and now you're using this like self-defense as violence to hurt other people and i liked how they showed that too but i just thought they just did it in an awful way I disagree with you strongly. So Ooh. my favorite part of the show was... Was Dominatrix you know, Chick just knifing people in the face? No, it wasn't. Well, I mean, yes, but like that, <laughs> it didn't matter. It was It was not because of the costume, I guess, I is th- my point. I think it was because of the costume. I think you were a little hot under the collar, man. Um, but no, but like her storyline of like... Th- that character growth and like the character growth between her and the hotel I thought yes. was really fascinating I liked so th- the the premise of the story is interesting the idea that you can change your body so like that thing where you become like a chip instead of a person it was interesting to play with and like that it, it was like a marine right it was like a marine his wife and his daughter those three yes like I liked at the end how his family came back together. You know what I mean? Yes. And that the I'm glad that they didn't do this thing where they treated her like a monster. Like I'm glad that the parents were glad to see their daughter again. I'm glad that the daughter was so willing to fight to protect people that well, she loved were, and cared about. They were about. doing the treating her like a monster a little bit up until that last episode where they were afraid that they, like she was going so far when she's standing there just throwing knives through a wall. For sure, they they did, but I'm glad that's not where it ended up. I'm glad yeah, it ended no, up I, with I, I like that. She she like learned how to defend herself, and then not only did, was she no longer a victim, she became a hero. She became someone that took an active role in the story, not because she had a love interest or a double love interest, getting to Lady Cop, um, but because she had a family and people that she cared about, and then acted to protect them. I was a huge fan of that okay. arc. What I was not a huge fan of was, yeah, and this is not so much about the world building, it's about the characterization. So what bothered me was when they introduced, like, the strong female lead. Yes. The the, the female cop, right? And at first, she was, she was doing her job and cared about the story, not because there was a guy, like, just being like, oh, I love this guy, so I have to be involved in the story, not because... And then episode five, that's exactly what it turns into? Yeah, it's just like not only is she in love with the main character, she's in love with the main character's bodysuit. And I'm just like, 
You couldn't even make it. It's just, I, I thought that whole thing was just stupid. And it's like, oh, hey, I love your bodysuit. I'm going to have sex with you. And also, I'm falling in love with you because you're in this other person's body. It's just, it's so dumb. And then my last point, all of the women except for one have either a sexual relationship or a romantic relationship with the main character. Okay, so here is the part where I realized that was a problem. And I mean, even to a point, the sister had a relate like that emotional relationship <laughs> that was... with it. Even to a point, like so, it's like every female is in for this one guy. I thought that was crap. Everybody except for the lawyer chick. She was the only one in the whole show. Oh, you're you're right. Okay, I, I yes, because I I messaged Zach and I was like. Does the main character kiss every woman but his sister? And then five minutes later, I went, "Oh my gosh, he almost kissed his sister!" <laughs> and yeah, I'm and, like, the, and that's it. the thing is, it's like that's what I hated about. It. I was like, "Oh, you want to show these strong female characters like kicking butt the whole time, but they're all in love with the main character in one way or another." I thought that was crap. Yeah, and I also thought it was nope, super ex- corny how except- she gets the robotic arm and is just throwing people around. I thought that was corny. I kind of was okay with it. They're like, showing people getting killed by her punching them like too hard, but then she takes her boss and throws him up against the wall. The wall cracks, and he's perfectly fine. He did break his spine. The boss? The, yeah, they had a throwaway line about that that he like shattered his spine and had to like go into. They he can got just up fix and walked away. He didn't shatter his spine. No, he didn't. It's bullcrap. He no, just laid no, there. No, I call it crap. <laughs> I mean, it was don't. don't it, I'm not defending it that much, but that, that part was no. Stupid. But the, the only, the only to me, the only female character that wasn't a villain that like was proactive in the story was the girl that like was in the computer world and learned how to fight and then became the like dominatrix lady at the end. But I don't know. I thought it was cool. I, I liked her character. I liked that she had growth, and I liked that her arc was not based on wanting to like get with a guy. You know. Yeah. It wasn't just that. It was that she cared about her family and saved them. And I'm like, that, awesome. There you go. She's a hero because she did heroic things. Yes. Jordan, are you are you ready to talk about worlds? Yeah. Okay. So after tw- almost 20 minutes, I mean, some stuff's going to go, but after like almost 20 minutes, we're going to talk about our own worlds. Yeah. Sorry. We had to air some stuff. This is the podcast where we talk about the worlds that we build, not other people build. So last week... Yep. Because I love doing this. Cody, what were our worlds of last week? Um. Okay, so I had well, a world the where... Uh, oh, sorry. Everything was dragons. So I made a world that was consumed by fire and destroyed by, like, the um, wanton spirit of conquering that dragons usually embody. Yeah. And Jordan made a world with horse zebras. Horse zebras? You mean zebra dragons? Is that the word you were going for? <laughs> Is that, is that what you wanted to say? You tried to make fun of me. You felt very short. Yeah, I sort of screwed that one up. That is what I meant. I did a world that was literally all dragons, and it was a world that was built on the back, well, stomach and head of two giant, larger-than-life, world-sized dragons. That is correct. I forgot. That was a fun episode. I enjoyed doing that. And last week, I rolled number 12, which was the um cluster of planets Do you remember what the actual prompt was because i don't have it up right now no i mean i think you nailed it it's the the world's not a world it's a cluster of small worlds you know floating around each other oh i think you nailed it and then you basically say word for word exactly what it was supposed to be so the world is not one planet but a cluster of tiny worlds that orbit tight and manage to get an atmosphere so yeah. that was our prompt for this week and cody probably came up with something awesome i built something and i hate it <laughs> well jordan you know we go for quantity here not quality so let's hear it yeah so I, i'm gonna go into it i really do not like my world but i guess we'll see so i'm gonna do i'm last two times i kind of told a story to lead into it this time i am not that clever but <laughs> so this is my world which was is called the dead zone or the worlds of to call so here we go so the planets are in a cluster meteorite field. Um, they all cluster around a large meteor in the center. So this meteor is like a big dark mass in the middle. 
Um, there are hundreds of planets in close proximity to each other, and they slowly orbit around the center. The orbiting causes the planets to shift, so they don't always end up in the same order. So sometimes planets are closer to each other than they normally would be. Um, what can be seen from the night sky? So there is no sun, there's no light orbiting, there is no outside source that creates light. These worlds are like in complete darkness, in this, and it's always dark in this world. Um, you can see the stars in the far off distance, but it's not enough to light the planets. Um, night and day do not exist, it's only darkness. The center of the planet is what keeps the other planets together. Um, it's a high gravity at its core, and the planets around it, especially the ones furthest out have a lighter gravity but as you go closer into the planet array you'll get the heavier gravity most of the planets do not have water and if they do it's small bodies of water like lakes or rivers there are some planets that are all water but they're fairly shallow water compared to like the oceans we have on earth so i would say the deepest planet that has like that's all water it would be as deep as one of the great lakes quote-unquote that's yeah, pretty deep though well, that's pretty deep, but it's not like miles and miles deep. It's not okay, like yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's not like you keep going, you can't reach the bottom. Like, you could reach the bottom of these lakes. Gotcha. So some planets have a molten core. It's pretty much a grab bag of planets. You get some with water, some with molten core, some that have normal surfaces. So the air is very thin on each of these planets and has a very thin atmosphere that surrounds each of the different worlds. And the inhabitants of these worlds have accumulated to um, the atmospheres. So I would go ahead and think of these planets each as their own little states. So the whole area is rather large, but each individual planet is pretty small. They have a population like from double digits to a few hundreds, but it's not like millions and millions of people living on one of these planets. Okay, so we're going to get to the floor of the planet. So one of the beings that lived that lives in this world, they were um, glowing bioluminescent space slugs. So when they died, and they all died... <laughs> you're giving me is the absolute worst and i hate it i hate this world so much so when they die, i'm just mad that you have bioluminescent no hang on i'm just mad that you have bioluminescent space slugs yeah they're bioluminescent space slugs so when they know i'm out, mad they... about it anyways we have bioluminescent space slugs and when they all died they all died out um bioluminescent trees sprouted out of their bodies to begin to grow so under these trees a thick moss-like fungus grows acting as grass and nourishment to the ground this is also bioluminescent <laughs> these trees are allowed to just grow and grow creating almost a jungle-like um area on the planets so the planets that <sighs> i'm just I hate this world. I'm liking it so far. <laughs> the planets that have lakes and rivers, the trees grow around these, but not in. The water-covered planets do not have these trees. So the trees keep growing and growing and have created thick um, supporting branches. These trees do not have leaves. It's just long, spindly branches. The tallest of the trees can be found at the epicenter where the original body of the space slug was. They grow brightly and are the single source of the light for each of the planets. Some of the planets are completely covered by these trees and others have only small areas. This all depends on how many of the space slugs lived on the planet. So the space slugs like seeded it? Yes, the space slugs seeded life. They were the seeds of life on these planets. So they were spread out in this little like dead zone of meteorites and then when they died they created life so there are lots of planets that the slugs missed or could not sustain life on like the molten core planets or the, like volcanoes you can't have trees on volcano planets like think of the planet from the third star wars movie yeah you can't have that so <laughs> the trees have thick roots that penetrate the surface of the planet so they also grow a uh, glow underground the fauna, like all these planets, small insects live within the trees and they're like in deep within the fungus grass. They each consume each other in their own food chain and some are like a little bit larger than others. You get moths, like ants, things like that. Um, there are also large spider-like creatures that live in the trees and have created webs of silk. They eat the larger insects and anything that gets caught in their webs. The trees, they have grown like these pods on them in which they grow the sentient beings in this world. These beings have very strong legs and they stand about seven foot tall each. Their most prominent feature is their legs because I couldn't think of anything else. 
I get it. You're a leg guy. It's fine. Yeah, dude. I like those legs. You like legs and snakes. I get it. Oh, jeez. This, this podcast is slowly forming to something. Just my character on this podcast is just getting really weird. <laughs> Ain't no character. It's just you. You're just weird. <laughs> it's just legs, snakes, and anime is pretty much how I presented myself in this podcast. It's There's pretty- an anime poster behind you. Okay. Dude, you know you love the poster <laughs> behind me. I do. Yeah, exactly. Actually, I love it a little bit more when you tilt your head to the side because I can see the corgi. Dude, I you should have named your corgi Ein. I'm so mad that you I did know it. it's it's a little unoriginal though. You know, it's on the nose. Yeah, yeah. I know. I I get it. You didn't want to be cool. It's fine. So the prominent feature of these animals, well, sorry, these um, sentient beings are their legs. So once they emerge from the pods, they begin to explore the jungles that were, they were born into. And because they are connected to these trees, they communicate telepathically to each other. But this only um, happens at a certain range. They cannot read each other's minds, but they can just speak to each other. So, like, they hear each other's voices in their heads. There's not, like, a verbal language. So they can only speak to those who were born from the trees. They cannot speak to the insects or anything outside of that. Like, on some of the other planets, they'll find fish and stuff. They're not like Aquaman. They cannot speak to the fish. They can only speak from the life that was born directly from the tree. So eventually, it started out as an accident, but a few of these um, sentient beings, they realized that they, um, with their powerful legs, they can jump very high. So some of them started wondering if they could jump off the planet onto what they suspected were other planets. A few of these um, creatures tried and they launched themselves out into nothingness. Because of that, they used, started using tree branches and silk from the spiders to create devices such as gliders so they could guide their jumps to the other planets. So using the gliders, they began to jump to the other planets while the rest of the beings, they decided to stay on their original homes in order to create their own societies. Why are you shaking your head at me? I'm so upset at you right now. Why? I should have gone first. I'm really mad. Why? Did I steal your thing? No, maybe. Oh, I I picked the jumping because I thought I wouldn't steal your thing. Okay, they don't jump, but you got to some other stuff. Okay, cool. I'm okay. I specifically picked jumping so I wouldn't steal your thing because I didn't have too many ideas, but I didn't want to mess you up. You picked jumping and then immediately made gliders. <laughs> like because the planets are slowly moving, you could jump it completely with it and miss. And I'll get to some other stuff later. But like I said, the first few who jumped, they just launched themselves out into nothingness and kept going until they got sucked into the core of these planets. Oh no, no, I, I know, I understand. I'm just like the first. Don't, don't worry. We'll, we'll get to it. We'll get. It's to like it. Keep when going. I made <laughs> the water planet, but instantly made land masses. It's like that, isn't it? Yeah, it's a little bit like that. <laughs> okay, we're, we're almost done with this world, by the way. <laughs> so so the beings that um, go from planet to planet, they are called the jumpers. Those who stay on the planets are called the dwellers. They raise the young and have created homes high in the treetops or sub-homes closer to the ground. So they kind of think of the Ewok city in Star Wars. I've been doing a lot of Star Wars references in this. <laughs> oh, jeez. So the Dwellers help run society under their elders. Um, this world is mainly about exploring other planets, though. So as the Jumpers began to explore the planets, they found other societies of creatures just like them. Some of these societies are more advanced, creating small villages in the trees. They do this by using resources from other planets. On a technology basis, the most advanced technology you will find are simple machines. So you're not going to find like electronics or anything like that on the planets with rivers and lakes you'll find water wheels or you'll find like pulley systems and irrigation systems like wedges and like very simple machines but nothing like too crazy you're not going to find like electronic devices or anything like that so some of the jumpers they never return to their original planets having found ones that are much better than their homes they sometimes become citizens of the villages they find because it's like oh this is much better so i'll apply for my citizenship here others through negotiations are allowed to bring back some of the resources they discovered in the other villages to their original planets all the beings they look the same so they wear signifiers of their original planets like a badge or a medal, they're not allowed into the other villages without these things because you're seen as an attacker, as like a foreigner, like causing harm. You need to have some sort of identification with you. The um, Jumpers, they also explore the shadow planets, is which is what they call the planets that do not have the bioluminescent lights, and there are, are a lot of these. 
Um, but because there are so many jumpers in so many different societies, some of the planets are claimed by certain societies. This is marked by a glowing spire with the symbol of the invading planet. This creates difficult situations because some of the lands are very territorial and do not want to share, while others leave symbols that mean like the land is open to all. They want to share. They want people to come and like have that land prosper. So because of this, there are constant land squabbles. Some of them easily solve, while others are not, and they result in cold wars that leave planets threatening to invade each other. These land squabbles have led to wars breaking out and alliances being made between the other societies. So because of all of these land squabbles, it has led the jumpers edging closer and closer to the center of the planet array. Some have approached the center of the planet array and are never seen again because they get sucked into that core. So the very center, like I mentioned earlier, is just utter nothingness. It's the core of dark matter that pretty much pulls everything that gets within a certain range and crushes it due to the heavy gravity. So there are some worlds that the jumpers land on that they cannot get off of due to heavy gravity. Some of these are the molten core planets, so the jumpers are sometimes, they will jump and then accidentally land on their own personal hell which is something I decided to put in because I thought it was hilarious. Like, you jump, you think you're landing somewhere nice, and it's like, oh, crap, I can't get off. There's fire everywhere. This sucks. So because of the shifting orbit, there is no direct line or bridge between each planet. The only ones who can get go between the planets are the jumpers, and not everyone has the strength or talent to become a jumper. So the jumpers are the top of the society. So they're being the political ambassadors for the other worlds, um, and they're also the explorers who find treasures and resources from the shadow worlds. So like some of the resources include... You're giving me a look. Okay, so some of the resources include um, volcanic glass and other gems and magnetic rocks, um, shells, rocks, rare species of fish, it's like food sources and other animals that they happen to find, and fossils I and mirror-like glass pieces. you. Dude, I am so I hate so you sorry. for stealing my world. Dude, you, your world's going to be way better than this. It's going to be way better than this. I'm not proud of myself. It's today. not. That's why I spent so much I'm time talking about Altered Carbon, because I'm not proud of myself. <laughs> So some of the jumpers, they give up on their own society to create lands on the heavy gravity planets, which other explorers like don't go towards because they're afraid that they will get stuck and never be able to get out. So back to the main society. The leaders of each planet, they are called the Wise Ones. The Wise Ones are the original dwellers who emerged from the tree pods. They have recorded the history of the worlds around them. They record the histories of the respective worlds on the base of the tree so they'll like have writings on the base of the center tr uh, sorry on the base of the tallest tree so like usually the center tree will have the history of the world written on it and that's how the histories are recorded so these wise ones are hundreds of years old and some of them are former jumpers they claim to have explored the center core and thus are revered by all since the others do not have the strength to go back from the uh, go to the core and back so this reverence helps allow them to stay in charge of their respective communities because, like, they're all powerful. They can go to the core and back. Because of the jumpers, some worlds have collaborated a written history, but the histories do change from planet to planet based on what the wise ones tell them. So some of the wise ones are humble and they lead society to unify and find resources in the shadow worlds in order to further society. Others are selfish and their societies are centered around praising them and going to the other planets to get resources in order to perform rituals and festivals for the wise ones. Some of the wise ones have created a religion, there it is, kind of a creationist theories. So some of the societies worship the giant trees as being the creators from which they were born. And that is the entire basis of my world. I, 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 feel, I feel like it does not deserve the hate you're giving it. Yeah. So I'm going to go, my story with this world is going to be the actual history of how this how these worlds became formed so i'm just going to go over this really quick and then i'll hand the mic over to you and you can do it so i have my own mic you don't have to i'm gonna me hand, i'm gonna mail you my i'm gonna send you my mic in the mail and you're gonna get it in a couple of days and then you're gonna be able to record sound good perfect so this is the history of how the planets got this way the planets were originally one large planet but the planet was going nuclear and going to explode from the core outward so sensing infinite doom, the scientists on the planets, they split into two groups. One group was there to ease the public unrest, saying that they were working on a way to stop the impending doom. But there was no way to stop this from happening at all. 
So their goal, they were actually working on a way to stop it from being so bad. They created a way to contain the explosion so it did not ripple throughout the galaxy and completely blow everything apart. The other group of scientists worked on finding a way for life to continue on after the explosion. So they encoded all their genetic data into forms they knew could survive the explosion. They created like the space slugs in order to carry on their legacy and prepare. they all prepared for the end. The planet exploded snuffing out all life around it but the explosion was contained so the resulting debris was not flung way too far from the explosion and stayed orbiting the remnants of the explosion so the remnants they turned into the gravity well which is at the center of the core of the planets and so the form that the coda that it took it eventually created this bioluminescent trees and life forms that we see elsewhere so that is my world I, I don't I don't feel like it was as bad as you made it out to be. Yeah, I I mean I kind of tripped over myself making it, but I I enjoyed it. I mean I don't know I don't know you were all like this is going to be terrible and I feel like for one thing it's pretty similar to mine so now I'm worried about my world you're, a little bit because if yours was terrible that kind of means mine is going to be terrible. You're way too self conscious about your worlds, says the guy who's way too self conscious about his worlds. Well, they're always short. Like, oh my gosh, mine are short compared to yours. Well, that's because I but... po- <laughs> I sit here and I just try to shove as... I like, I've had this funnel and I just shove as much stuff as I can into this funnel and squirt out a world. So... All right. I, I am kind of excited for mine, though. But you're going to laugh at the first little bit here because it, it starts with the narration. And and you're going to understand why I was giving you frowny faces because it, it's similar. I hope they're bioluminescent right. slugs. It's not bioluminescent slugs. To set the scene, you're sitting around a campfire at night. The stars are above you, and you're sitting near the edge or like a kind of a cliff face of your orb. You know what you're about to do is dangerous, but it's also exciting and profitable. Um, hey, I I have a, I just have something to say, man. What? This is pretty much Jumper by Third Eye Blind. I wish you would step back from that ledge, my friend. I didn't you know what that song was called. of all the lies that you've been living in. All right. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, dude. Go. So as I was saying, um, what you're about to do <laughs> is dangerous, but it's also exciting and highly profitable. Because after all, you are Batman. I was waiting for your reaction to me saying that you're all Batman, and you just like just kept playing with like your pop tab. Oh. I didn't hear I didn't hear what the last word was, so I thought you were just gonna keep talking. I am so <laughs> mad at you. <laughs> okay, sorry, for reaction wise, can you just we're, we're gonna cut it and start from the beginning. No, just <laughs> Actually just say that last part and I'll I'll cut and paste it and make it sound really good. <laughs> uh, what you're doing is dangerous. It's also exciting and highly profitable. After all, you are Batman. <laughs> You know, it's just, you know, we've done this twice now, and both times just feels like you ignored me. All right. <laughs> no, 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 no. A, so a grizzled old Batman, Batman begins to speak to you. Always know which way is up, kid. Whatever orb you're on, always this, know which way is, is up. This world is Batman. This world, every, every character in this world is Batman? Is no. you trying to tell me? You are a Batman. This guy is an old grizzled Batman. Oh, so not like, so not like the popular comic book batman it's more like the comic book character man bat no give it a, i'm gonna explain it's a hook it's a teaser all right always okay, know which one i'm sorry i'm ruining your world I'm no sorry. i i'm okay with the interaction now let me read my narration always know which way is up kid whatever orb you're on always know which way is up many have died or fallen into the void by forgetting which way they're being pulled from so you live on a dense cluster of asteroids that are slowly becoming a planet. The old man continues, The big brain scientists are always telling people that in some millions of years, we're going to be but one globe. But for now, we're hundreds of spears, and we all spin together. What's important to know is the best place to make profit is further down by that glowing light. As you peer over the edge, you see, like, far down through all these, like, dense clusters of asteroids, a glowing center. Hashtag already been done. So, um, (laughs) yeah, yeah. Um, 
so basically the world that you live on right now is not dissimilar from a regular planet except it's fractured to the point where it is still individual small orbs that are mostly all spherical and they all have their own unique gravity. They all orbit together around a sun, but each one of them also has its own gravitational pull, kind of similar to how like the moon and the earth, their gravities interact, but they're both yeah. also still going around the sun that's that has a much larger gravitational pull. Okay. At this point, science has advanced far enough that people realize that, like, if you take measurements, like, the orbs are moving together like an inch every year, which is, like, nothing, but it's enough that, oh. you know, like, this this old guy is, like, whatever, it doesn't matter, but, you know, it's sort of like how we know in, like, two billion years or something the sun's gonna go out. They know yeah. that in, like, a few million years they're going to be one planet, but they're not there yet. Okay. So... The outside planets um, are by far the best and the most habitable. They see constant sunlight, and they're not in a tilted orbit like we are. They're in a straight-up-and-down orbit. So, oh. And they're at a distance close enough to the sun that basically the whole world is fairly homogenous in its um, climate, but not necessarily in its regions. So the outside of the planet is basically like a pretty lush jungle if it was left to its own like natural devices but obviously like people live there and develop and grow so like they you know knock trees down and stuff but its normal habitat is a fairly like rich jungle um night and day happens like normal but there are not seasons like there are on our planet on this planet as the like cluster of planets moves around the sun the gravity shifts what that affects most is the water so there aren't lakes but there are a lot of rivers that kind of like they don't just flow they swirl in and out of all the different or all the different gravities of all the different orbs so it's basically like waterfalls leading into the planet and then also getting pushed back up out of the planet by all the different gravities meshing together. Okay, so the water itself is between these planets and it's just like kind of whipping and weaving as Well, it goes. so what it is is like you'll have a river that goes off a cliff and pours down and gets sucked into something oh, else's gravity. Oh, gets sucked into another planet. Yeah, and gets pulled into another river. So it's like almost one completely connected band of water that all just swirls around the planet. Okay. And as it orbits, the season change isn't the weather changing it's the water changing so rivers will move across the land as you as your orbits change because water's the like that's why our oceans move right with the moon um sort of similar like as the planets move around the river moves a lot but like your trees don't right yeah okay cool oh okay and then the other thing that does change with seasons is precipitation so since the water moves around like there are rainy seasons and there are dry seasons, but it's always still like a fairly warm temperature. So you don't need to have like coats on a lot. Yeah. yeah. So then anyways, further in towards the center, that's where you get like these dark, um, these darker and more dense planet, like little planets up until recently, those haven't been super valuable. There's not a lot of life on them. There is some, but what there is on them is a higher concentration of like, dense metals like what make up our core so the further down you go the more likely you are to find things like iron or like precious metals so recently people have found out that going deeper into the planet is highly profitable all right okay so now let's talk about you giving me a lot of glares yeah because you did the exact same thing (laughs) so um but that is not the most valuable thing and that's not what the batman are after the most valuable thing is love cody (sighs) is what I said the most valuable thing is love, Cody. <laughs> so, on the surface of the planet, like I said, it's like a really nice, like, jungly rainforest. Underneath, the only life that you can really see and that's really there is, like, a dense masses of fungus that is bioluminescent. And then there are some insects that live in that. Um, and that's kind of like their own habitat. Like, especially the areas where the water moves across the planets on the inside that's where you'll see these like deposits of this fungus okay it's valuable because it has a lot of food like it's it's a good food source it's not poisonous but for the most part that's not what the people that live on the surface eat so that moves us on to the animal life until recent history like probably until like a few thousand years ago humans were not the pinnacle of the food chain It was these creatures called capes. 
Capes are large bat-like mammals. They they have bats. Cape? They're, they're so, bat-like. So, so if they like do some crusades to other planets, they're the cape crusaders. <laughs> yes. I hate you. <laughs> I, I, I legitimately hate you. I didn't exactly mean to have this be as jokey as it is at the end, but I don't care. Um... <laughs> So these capes, as they're called, are, like I said, they're large and bat-like, but unlike bats, they have, like, more opposable hands and are a lot bigger and a lot stronger. So they're, like, bigger than a human with almost opposable hands and extremely powerful wings. But by far the weirdest feature of them is they're, like, you know how bats have big ears? Yeah. Like, imagine that, but, like, to a grotesque extreme. And the reason uh. for this is that they have very delicate inner ears. So, like, you know how your inner ear is what makes you feel acceleration? Yeah. So, these capes, what they're able to do is feel the shifts in gravity when they're flying. Oh. And they can use this to hop from one orbit to the other. That's really awesome. So, at first, these were the only creatures that were ever able to figure out how to get from one world to another. Because they had these, like, gigantic inner ears that developed to allow them to get there. So, like, when humans would try to do it, like you said in your story, they would end up flying off because gravity was too unpredictable. Yeah. They just However, jump and they just launch themselves out into nothingness. Right. And then, like, on the surface of the planet, right, there are the normal animals that you'd expect. The only other odd creatures on the planet are um, the fish have to be very robust and almost more like... There aren't so much fish as there are amphibians. Because they have to be able to keep up with the moving rivers. So, you know, these fish might be in a river and then the next day that riverbed might be dry and they have to be able to live and survive. So the thing that survived were like these fish with like tiny little stubby legs and very underdeveloped lungs that they can kind of use to like waddle through mud to get back to the river. Okay. So like fish look like penguins on land. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. Okay. But gross and slimy. I'm totally on board. (laughs) So anyways, the capes. So um, now we're going to kind of get a little... The the history of the world is very linked to the capes, these large bat creatures, because way back when, humans eventually developed enough to like make tools and all that, and eventually they started to hunt the capes. And... Oh, no. So at first, it was just because they're a good source of food. They're large. Um, once they made spears and got good at throwing them, they could kill them fairly easily, and so they would eat them. Um, but Whoa. eventually, <laughs> one of the hu- one of one of the early humans got the idea to um, wear the um, skull of a ba- of a cape on his head ah. to like scare other people, and he also um, put on the cape like a cloak. This is right? literally Batman, Cody. <laughs> this is literally he became, Batman. He became the first Batman in an attempt to copy the huge bat-like creatures that he would see flying to other worlds, he climbed up onto a mountain and jumped, and using the, like, advanced ears that he got from putting the skull on his head and the bat wings, he was able to follow some of the capes and soar himself to another world. Now, the first... (laughs) What? He was the first Batman. I'm sorry, just keep going. Now, the first Batman was not... There were other humans on other worlds, right? But the first Batman... The first Batman, his parents died and he decided to go and beat up criminals. No, no, no. His his parents didn't die. They're cool. So the first Batman was the first person to ever find out that there was life on another world, right? So they could... You could see other worlds, like, in in your sky, like, really close to you, right? But no one ever confirmed that there was life on that other world that was similar to you know, the humans that we knew. So yeah, up until this point, like technically travel between worlds, like it's kind of, you know, at this point in history, like what's what we're calling current day where we we're sitting around a, a fire about to jump in a hole. It was, it's theorized at this point that travel between worlds was possible before the first Batman, but it was really rare and it required you to like jump in a river and hope you didn't fall out in the middle of space. Oh, um, okay. So that's how it's rumored that people spread to begin with, right? But really, no one traveled until the first Batman. So as this Batman began to travel more and more, the idea of using the methods and the like tools of the capes to travel to other worlds became began to spread. 
And um, the Batman became like the first scouts, emissaries, and tradesmen between all of the spheres. So basically, and that's what the, the Batman other was for, huh? Yeah. That's why you yeah. brought up me the second yeah. time. So the Batman basically were the pioneers of this world that united all of these disjointed spheres into one world and basically drove the innovation from there. Okay. Because then moving forward, like being a Batman is very dangerous, right? Like you basically yeah. strap wings on and try to fly to another planet by using like slipstream gravity, right? So it's like it's intuitively trying to guess at throwing yourself with orbits. That's what Batman do. Okay. So it's extremely dangerous. Um, and people started to want better and better technology to help them travel to other worlds. So there was like always this very immediate thing, like in the night sky, you could see another world. And so that like always inspired people to be trying to like increase um, their technology for travel because it was distant enough to be a challenge, but close enough to be attainable. Does that make sense? Yeah. So there's like constantly this like drive and desire to explore because there's so much to be seen left of this world. So to match this, what Batman started doing was flying deeper and deeper and deeper into the planet. And the reason for this was, like I said, this is where you find iron deposits. It's where you find precious metals. And they started to mine these things. And people also began to start trying to invent flight at this point. So like a semi-industrial revolution happened very quickly once people started to connect because the only means of travel required either extreme danger or machinery, right? Like you couldn't just get yeah. on a horse and ride. Like to travel, you basically had to make flying vessels, which that's going to lead to the story of Beryl and Holdman, which we'll get to. They were the first two people that tried to invent planes, but that, that's going to be oh, my story hey, about I like the world. Some names. Yeah, I did. All right. It's 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 a jolly tale of basically what if the Wright brothers were rivals instead of brothers. <laughs> um, oh, dude. Yes, I'm excited. So anyways, meanwhile, the Batman kept flying deeper and deeper into this into the core of the planet. And somewhere along this time, people started to invent like somewhat reliable gliders, but they were difficult, right? Like, how do you power these gliders? They didn't have power yet. They just had like aerodynamics at this point, right? Yeah. But what eventually a uh, Batman found out, he kept flying deeper and deeper into the center of the planet towards this bright glowing light. And he eventually found, well, as close as he could get to finding, a swirling molten core to the planet. And as soon as he got Jeez. down there, he was carrying like pouches of water. He got close enough that that water instantly boiled, right? Like he like oh. dropped it and it like got close enough that it boiled. And there was like a blast of steam from it, right? And that's yeah. how he discovered steam power and also discovered that there was a perpetual source of heat that was pretty easily reached by Batman. So pretty quickly, they invented a means of storing steam power by flying and like dropping off these canisters close to the center of the earth. They would store up a bunch of heat in the form of steam and then fly them back up. Right. So Batman had this extremely dangerous but extremely lucrative job of basically mining perpetual energy on this planet. Okay. Because they could superheat water really easily. And then they used gra like the gravity orbits <laughs> to orbit themselves back out of the planet and drop it off, right? Um, and this basically led to what modern civilization is now. What people have recently discovered is, one, how to trap air or steam to cause vessels to become more buoyant. And then by using like, by running that steam through different kinds of engines, they've learned how to basically create like big steamships that can hop from planet to planet to planet. So these are steampunk Batman. These are steampunk Batman. Um, well, no, okay. the Batman are the ones that fly down to the center. Cause right, right now these vessels are big and unwieldy. So like you can oh, get okay. from one planet to another, but it's slower, but it's safe but you can't really fly quickly into the center of the world. So Batman are still the best way to get into the center of the planet, but it's like a very, it's like being a daredevil. You know what I mean? Like the Batman yeah. are, they're not like in political power. They're like, they're like, uh, like pro athletes, right? Like they have yes. to be extremely nimble and it's like a specialized thing. And they have like, you know, different teams and stuff that try to swoop down and, um, get steam power to bring back up to people okay 
Okay, so that's basically the world, right? Like, it's it's a world that is just now getting its industrial revolution, but it's already kind of ahead of the curve because they had to invent certain technologies just to see each other. Um, but it's also a world that is constantly driven by the need to become more connected because, like, for us, right, connection was assumed at a certain point. You know what I mean? Like, you could walk yeah. and find another village. But for these people, that wasn't the case. They had to strive to ever find anybody else. So for them and their society, finding new cultures and being able to connect with people at a distance is really important and becomes like the centerpiece of their culture is flying to other people's worlds because it's they're far enough that they're like, you know what I mean? When it's like you're far enough from someone that you miss them, but you're close enough that you can get there if you really try. That's kind of the relationship they have with like space travel is it's possible. It's just hard enough that they have to develop and adapt to do it. Okay. So anyways, here's the story of Beryl and Holdman. So Beryl and Holdman lived on neighboring planets. And around the time that flight was invented or like glider flight, we'll call it unbatmanned flight, was invented. Um, <laughs> was invented. Um, optics were also being invented around the same time. So Beryl and Holdman became the first optical pen pals. And basically what this meant was they both had telescopes and both found each other on different worlds. And they began to pass notes to each other and eventually became very good friends. And so both of them decided, neither one of them were Batman, they were both kind of getting up in years. And so both of them decided that they needed to learn how to meet. So it became a long story kind of reminds me of the Lutes twins from the Bioshock Infinite game. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. <laughs> this origin story is, oh, hey, they've discovered they, they could do this type of travel. They see each other. It's like, hey, we need to meet, but only they're not twins. Yeah, right? <laughs> so they decide they need to meet each other. So it becomes like a friendly race to see who can build flight first. These are both like uh-huh. scientists because they both had telescopes. And so they could watch each other from like this distance. You know, every time one of them was going to have a flight, the other one would be on his telescope watching his friend like try to use ramps for the first time or you know like (laughs) oh hey i figured out this idea where you know if i get up a little bit higher and jump down i think i'll be able to fall fast enough to break my orbit and get into yours and so together as friends trying to reach each other they slowly worked out the concepts of like aerodynamic and lift and how to um calculate orbits to like they could figure out a way to get enough velocity that they could break out of their orbit into the next person's and so like that drive was eventually how the two of them together invented the first it's called a holding barrel is what the flying vessels are called named after holdman and barrel who who invented it together by like sharing notes across planet you know so anyways that's my world yeah no i liked it it was more concise than my world (laughs) <laughs> yeah i think that might be the story of us doing this podcast is cody writes three sentences and jordan writes a novel that makes cody feel bad no dude you're i think as a whole your worlds are a lot better but you know we don't have to get into this i i was super happy with this one i love the idea of batman being like guys that put on bat suits and jump into the center of the world to get power. <laughs> I, I really I, I enjoyed that too you did a good job with that that was very fun <laughs> okay so um yeah no i i liked your world i liked the (laughs) i like the story at the end i like how whimsical the story was (laughs) right isn't that cute i love that idea of like technology being this like drive to find each other you know what i mean yeah no it it was (laughs) It, it like have you seen like that it's called the great dictator it was uh oh gosh it was like one it was a really early movie um it had uh is it Charlie Chaplin? No, I'm it? just going to cut to the point. No, I haven't seen that. Okay, well, it's like this farcical movie where I think like someone has to impersonate Hitler or something like that. Um, but at the <laughs> end, he gives this speech about like the the inventions of technology um, like speak to humanity's desire to like unify and communicate with each other because like everything that's invented is to try to make communication easier. And I like that idea that like, you know, like people harsh on technology a lot and like talk about how social media isolates people. But I'm like, yeah, but also like a lot of technological advances have been so we can become closer together as people. So 
Yeah, I wanted to the, present the device that, that we're using right now. We're using Skype to talk yeah, across it, states to communicate with each other. It, I, I exactly. Like right, right, right. It's freaking magical, man. Th- that's what my world is about. Is the first is is two friends skyping each other to make a plane. Jordan, you want to make a plane? <laughs> yeah, let's do it. But also, now what fine. do you think of my world, Cody? My travesty of a world. I, I don't see why you're harshing on it so much. I like tree people. Um, I'm always a sucker for that, honestly. Like, a lot of fiction that I really like has really? tree people or people coming from trees. Um, huh. Most notably, have you uh, have you read Speaker for the Dead? No. Okay, you need to get on that. But anyways, um, well, send me have you read title, Ender's Game? I'll probably read it. Have you, have you read Ender's Game? Yes. Okay, it's the sequel to that. Oh. Oh, yeah. Okay. It's 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 better than Ender's Game. It's a much different book, though. Okay. Yeah, no, but so anyways, they have tree people, too. I like tree people. Um, obviously, sure. I'm a big fan of bioluminescence, as we could see from my world that had bioluminescent mushrooms that the capes ate. Um, yeah. Bioluminescence are awesome, dude. I also, I... Um, I just like Hang that this is the first time that we had similar worlds, and we're, you were we sitting there glaring at me, and I had no clue. And then you tell your world, I was like, "Oh, that's why." Yeah, we had pretty it's similar. Not worlds the same, this but time. it was similar. This is the first time that we it, even got to close to each other. Well, when you're like, "Oh, you know the the, the what, what what did you call your guys? Not the Batman, but the uh, um, jumpers trap the jumpers." Yeah, they, they like they were the first like ambassadors, and I'm like. Dang it! But Crap. Batman was the first ambassador. <laughs> Bat Batman was the first exact ambassador. Batman. Yeah, man, the first the first ever village that saw a you know that thought they just saw another cape rolling in, and then this man lands with a bat skull on his head and is like, "Hi, I'm Batman." Takes off the skull. Never fear, <laughs> Batman is here. His name was Bruce Wayne, but yeah. Yeah, the first Batman was Bruce Wade. Is that what you said? Batman. Batman. Yep. I have Batman. Okay. So I want you to know, though, hang on. I got a comment here. While I was writing this world, I was being really serious about it. And then I got to the point where I was like, what should I name the first people that ever put on this animal that I've named a cape? And I'm like cape men and i'm like no i'm just gonna call him batman and then like i just kept writing more lines about the batman and i was like this is seeming kind of hokey this thing where i write about batman <laughs> nah nah man you're you're good you're good i i enjoyed it but <laughs> so i'm gonna go ahead and we're gonna roll from for the next time we create a world after i pull my cell phone down Okay, but and we're not doing that next time, right? Next time we're talking about world building and other media. We're going to talk about world building and other media, bringing forward some of our favorite worlds that were built, um, some of the worlds that we didn't like. I want to hit specifically on the world building of Bright and Altered Carbon, since those were like the two recent things that we watched. So... Like, I have a lot of things to say about the... Like, after looking back on it, I have a lot of things to say about the world building of Bright. Alter Carbon, there's things that I like, things I didn't like. Sky Whore Island. Yeah. Is one of them, which was literally called I, Head I have... in the Clouds. Think about it. Head in the Clouds. Stop. Stop right now. <laughs> I see <laughs> where you're that, going that with this. That bothered me. It's like, oh, you guys are being quippy now. You're being funny now. I mean, I kind of want to go to a place called Head in the Clouds. Sky Whore Island. I want to specifically hit on those because those are the, like two recent media things that we've both like enjoyed. But also there's a couple other things. I'll probably end up bringing up Ghost of the Shell and Bioshock Infinite because those are also two of my... Well, Bioshock Infinite is my favorite. Ghost of the Shell was the thing that flopped recently. You should watch the movie. It's actually decent. You'll like it. Do, do you want to know what stuff I'm planning on talking about? Do you want some spoilers? Yeah, I want some spoilers. Okay, so I'm definitely going to talk about the Dresden Files because I think it's a good um, antithesis to Bright. Okay. Um, I'm also going to talk about uh, The Expanse and a book called Red Rising as like sci-fi world building done right and sci-fi world building done horribly wrong. And then there's a couple others that I'm thinking about, but those are the ones that stick in my head right now. 
I kind of want to find a good example of traditional fantasy world building that I thought was done really well, besides Lord of the Rings. Okay. Yeah, and we can... We'll go through that. So I think really the theme we're world building next week is going to just be sci-fi and fantasy world buildings. I might stretch the rules on that a little bit because there's there's one other there's one other one there's a couple others that I want to talk about. But yeah, okay. we'll, we'll get there. Yeah, but I mean, like for when we we'll do this, we'll do the like five episode break every five episodes, and we'll talk about just different types of world building. So we might have one where we talk about like more specific steampunk worlds or mech worlds robot worlds stuff like that so next week i just the theme of sci-fi oh, Jordan, and fantasy talk mech worlds to me oh dude you know i want to talk mech world gundam man gundam but yeah so you know I'll gundam probably... is my least favorite mech world yeah well when we get to mech mech world building we'll talk about that but like so eh, i might not talk about bioshock infinite because it's not too sci-fi or fantasy but i'll probably throw it in because it's one of my favorite worlds what else would you call that? <laughs> I mean, the, steampunk. Despite being a world I would never, ever want to live in, for obvious reasons, the first choice in the game that you make. But, um, yeah. I would, <laughs> yeah, yeah, remember, you were playing that, and I just turned and I looked at you, and I'm like, make the right choice, Cody. And you're like, what? And then you saw it happen, you're like, oh, crap. I'm like, yeah, make the right choice, Cody. Did I... Did I make the right choice? I actually don't yeah, remember you made if the right I decided choice. to play. I mean, the same okay. thing happens regardless, but you made the right choice. And I just got to sat back with easily. Okay, he did the right thing. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna I get completely into, forgot like, about that. So next week's gonna be sci-fi, the world building of sci-fi and fantasy, and we'll talk about that. But right now, I'm gonna go ahead, and we're gonna have a two weeks to prepare these worlds, so they better be freaking good like the last two worlds that we've done. So I'm going to go ahead and roll the next one. So which one? Okay. So you said before the ones that you're hoping for, which one are you hoping for? Uh, I don't remember the list anymore. I forgot. Okay. The one I'm hoping for, and I've been hoping for from the very beginning is magic and science. I have some big ideas. Oh yeah. That'd be fun. I, I actually, the last D and D game that I ran. So we're going to go and ah, crap. I dropped it. Number two. Luckily, Off I have the table two doesn't count. I died. <laughs> okay. So we got number two, which is not the top of the food chain. Which. Oh, I love this idea. It means that there is a predator that is actively hunting your main sentient oh, species. Crap. So that whatever my sentient species is, is not the apex predator. They're not the apex predator, and I mean, like, you could make that argument for humans now, but my point would be that I have to be afraid of something in my own home. So it would be like if tigers were in every city. We are something's... Yeah, we're something's food supply. Yeah, so yeah, so yeah, like, it would be like if there were tigers in every city hunting us actively. Yeah, whose food supply is whatever your, your sentient species okay. is. <laughs> okay, yeah, no, I think I can do a good one with this. We have two weeks to prepare, two or more, I'm depending so on if you betray me again. But we have two weeks to prepare, and it's going to be good. I'm I'm pretty pumped. Okay. All right. So is, is this is this where we're ending yeah, it? So Are we're we done? End it. You can find me on Twitch at something I guess zero zero, and you can find Cody on his other podcast network, which is the Wandering Gamer Network. The Wandering Gamer Network. Okay. So. Oh, and by now, these episodes are actually being released weekly, so you'll be slowly catching up to where we are in actual time. So, awesome. Anyways, it's been fun. We talked for way too long, but we'll see you next time. Bye! Bye. How, how many snakes are on this planet? Are there any sexy snakes? Are there any sexy snakes?